COP28 chal raha hai and we thought why not bring you the best mind that could tell you a lot more about what's happening there on the show and today this morning we have the pleasure of having Anjali Abdurai who is a climate justice advocate and she is with us on the show very good morning to you Anjali Good morning. How's it going? Uh, everything is great. We're just, uh, you know, getting ready for the weekend. <laughs> We're getting ready for the weekend yeah. on Monday as well. So, but that's that's another story. But uh, so happy to have you on the show because uh, while COP28 is going on, we thought you're the best person to kind of give us an insight onto what it's all about, this controversy surrounding it and a whole lot more. But just before we get there, uh, just a little bit of more introduction to Anjali, who actually does not need much introduction, but Anjali is the director of campaigns of the Climate Emergency Unit. It is a project dedicated to creating climate change policies. Iske alawa, wo ek organization run karti hai, jiska naam hai Padma Center for Climate Justice. Ye ek hub, jo South Asian people you can definitely uh, connect with her, find her on the socials and find out what more you can do. So Anjali, let's get right to it. COP28. Okay. That's happening in Dubai. So what it's all about. Yes, the COP is, uh, it is an annual event that has, you know, this year there's over 97,000 people who are all gathered in Dubai from around the world. I have been attending these COPs and following these COPs since 2009. So I've been to a number of them and I've been tracking the uh, negotiations. So the COP is uh, actually one body of a United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. We call it the UNFCCC. And it's the only UN body that deals specifically with climate change. And it's the only place where every country in the world comes together to tackle this big multifaceted problem of climate so the idea is that every country sends delegates. They're, the delegates are negotiating our next climate agreement. And then there's also civil society, regular people from all over the world, thousands and thousands, who also gather in the same place. And there's so much information sharing and protesting and um, all kinds of uh, educational stuff happening at the time. So it's a very, very rich gathering that happens every year. That's wonderful. Now, I, uh, as a climate activist, Anjali, I wanted to ask you, did you think much about where the venue was this year, especially when we're talking about Dubai, UAE? Yes. No, this has been a very controversial COP. And, you know, that's one of the reasons that I'm not there this year is this year. Well, the COP, technically every year it rotates to a different region of the world. But uh, this year it's in Dubai which is one of the most oil-rich nations in the world. And the head of the COP, every year they appoint uh, a chair for the COP. This year, the chair is Sultan al-Jaber, who is actually the head of an oil company. He's the head of the state-owned oil company. So the irony of it is incredible. I mean, he is supposed to guide 200 nations to solve climate change and reduce oil and gas for the whole world. Um, and he's the head of an oil company. And uh, so there's been a lot of outrage, a lot of uh, controversy around that. But uh, the UAE went ahead with it. And um, this week it's been a little bit contentious having him as the chair. Yeah, and he did say something very controversial, the Sultan al guy. Yes, he said uh, there's no science behind a phase-out of fossil fuels. 
Mm-hmm. And that couldn't be further from the truth because every climate scientist around the world has given us more and more dire warnings every year. We need to phase out fossil fuels in order to achieve a safe atmosphere in the future. It's an inconvenient truth. It's not going to be easy, but we absolutely need to phase out fossil fuels in Canada by no later than 2031, which seems like it's coming up very soon. And so uh, these comments that Algebra made uh, were about two weeks before the COP, but they just started to resurface. And it's, it's causing a really big stir, and um, unfortunately it has the potential to derail the actual talk. Oh, that's very sad because mujhe lag raha tha ki ek aur perspective ho sakta hai ki you know that you have these conversations and then you you kind of place your arguments forward and there is a healthy discussion. So that is another yes. perspective as well, and that's what cops cops are all about, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, it's a it's a this is a new territory for the cops. I don't <laughs> think we've ever been in this situation before. So uh, we'll see what the outcome will be uh, on December twelfth when it ends. Right. Now, Anjali, there are some really big issues under debate. Do you want to highlight some of them? Yes. So at the COP this year, so the whole point of these COPs is this, if you could boil it down to one word, the COP is about burden sharing. We look at this massive problem of climate change, and the goal is for us to uh, transition the whole world from uh, from fossil fuel energy to renewable energy, to, to ma- have this massive energy transition for the entire world, some places faster than others. And that is a burden. That is a cost. And so the COP is about how to share that burden equitably and fairly. And the idea is that uh, richer, more industrialized nations like Canada, where we've done more uh, to contribute to the problem, we will have to phase out faster and we'll have to contribute more to the developing world. And so uh, one of the big issues is this idea of, of burden sharing, how to equitably share that burden and how fast it pays out. So at the, in the first day of the COP, a report was released that calculated the numbers for what would be the fair uh, share of each country's phase out and each country's contributions to this burden. And so Canada's role is that we, in order to pay our fair share, we need to phase out oil gas, and coal by 2031. And on top of that, we need to be contributing approximately $8.6 billion a year towards the developing world to support with things like adapting to all the um, major storms, hurricanes, other climate change impacts that are going to be happening in the next few years. And then there's this other issue called loss and damage. And this is a very sad issue. Loss and damage refers to the irreparable losses that have already happened as a result of climate change. So, you know, last year when Pakistan had these major historic floods and one-third of the country was underwater, that was billions and billions of dollars in um, cost, uh, so much infrastructure destroyed. Some of that cost can never uh, be repaid. Some of that is gone forever. There are some... There are some parts of the country that will never be rebuilt, unfortunately. Um, you know, and it, even for the natural world, there are some species that will never return. There are some, you know, habitats that will never return. And so there's this idea of these losses and damages, who pays for them? Who pays the cost of that? And so that's one of the big issues being debated at the COP this year. 
there was a fund, a global fund established for loss and damage. That was actually one silver lining to the COP. And Canada has just announced that we will contribute $16 million into that fund. $16 million is actually a very small, small mm-hmm. number, but at least it's something. Um, the, the full amount that's needed is about $400 billion. So it's a very, very, very small drop in the bucket. And actually, Anjali, you know, ahead of COP28, I believe Oxfam Canada, they put a report about how the richest 1% produce as much carbon pollution as the poorest 5 billion people on Earth. I'm sure you're familiar with this, but it was one that a lot of people were talking about. And do you find, as you're observing COP28, are there more conversations about, hey, you know, don't the rich have a role to play here, you know, while they fly private jets and live their lavish lifestyles? Are there conversations like that happening? Absolutely. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. The whole concept of climate justice, that's why I use the term climate justice, is that the whole situation was created by deep inequality. And it is the wealthiest, very, very, very tiny fraction of the world that has not only created the problem, but continues to um, take up the majority of the resources. And so there are conversations about that. Unfortunately, COP is a place where a lot of the rich and powerful also come to talk about climate change in name and not really do anything. For example, there was a, there was a panel uh, the other day on um, uh, electric yachts, like how to, <laughs> to make your yacht more sustainable and it just kind of it's like a comical take on cop because uh that's what we call greenwashing right it's taking the same power structures the same structure of wealth that enables the very very tiny one percent to amass uh, much more wealth than the majority of the world but you're adding a green spin to it and that is not climate justice that's greenwashing so there are a lot of those conversations happening at the cop i think there are some hard truths that we can't look away from. You know, Canada is one of the richest countries in the world, and we've benefited a lot from climate change. You know, we've, we, everybody in Canada gets to enjoy a level of energy usage that is multiple times the amount that someone in, say, India who lives below the poverty line will get to um, experience. And so when you think about it in these different ways, like, I get to use all this energy in my house. I have all this stove, my heater, my computer, my everything, and that's um, my personal energy use is like 20 to 30 times higher than someone who lives below the poverty line in a developing country. And so there's also where the inequality shows up. Um, If you think about one of the human rights as our right to atmospheric space, our right to energy, then there's a deep inequality there that we aim to fix through the climate challenge as well. Well, I can see the passion in your voice, Anjali, and I feel you. Uh, But before I let you go, how can our listeners be more involved with what's happening here in Vancouver when it comes to climate change? Yes, there are so many initiatives with climate change popping up um, locally. Uh, I have an organization called the Padma Center for Climate Justice, and uh, we have a monthly meeting in Surrey. We have what we call a Diaspora Climate Roundtable, and that's uh, it's a roundtable that's open to diasporic people to come and discuss these issues and how we can take action in the Lower Mainland, particularly in Surrey and Burnaby, but also across the Lower Mainland. You know, um, there are groups like 
Dogwood Initiative has a lot of local teams that you can join and volunteer. And every year, sometimes twice a year, there's a large climate rally that happens usually in Vancouver, but I think next year we'll have one in Surrey as well. And um, you, you'll hear more about that from me in the coming months. And um, I'll, be, I'll be coming back with lots of ways to tangibly get involved. But uh, rest assured, there's, there's lots of ways to get involved. And this is becoming an issue that is no longer just, you know, for a few fringe environmental groups. This is something that young people care deeply about. This is something that Everybody from all stripes and walks of life can care deeply about, and I hope we can work together more this year. Yeah, thank you so much, Anjali, for your time this morning. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for having me.